This is Cody, and I present to you this very important message. The views and opinions expressed in this show are solely those of the host and do not reflect the official policy or positions of the host employers. Any content provided by our hosts is their opinion and is not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, entity, individual, or anyone, or anything for that matter. Thank you and God bless. All right, welcome back to season three of Drunk Year in Review, 2022 edition. And we're already down a guy for <laughs> Omicron, Omicron, oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> Omna, Omna, I'm not going to work here anymore. Little sh- <laughs> yeah, that's something like that. Little throwback. Never to mind the fact he's got two kids and a, a spouse. Yeah, but we love those kids. Mac uh, and cheese. Yeah. You'll get to, I'm excited uh, for you to meet them there. I mean, they were only, you know, three months old when I met them, but I'm, I'm excited to continue to meet them as they grow up. Um, they're good kids, and Cody and Brittany are just wonderful people, so I have to imagine these are going to be outstanding, super intelligent kids. You have to understand that my level of excitement about getting to know them is is so high because I only got to meet Cody the one time where we were like <laughs> arm in arm. What was it? The highwayman? Yeah. At the very end of the night after a long night of drinking. Yeah. I, I, we've told that story, but it's always fun to tell it. So I'm sitting at the, uh, this is two years ago. It's 2019. Um, I'm sitting at Buffalo Wild Wings, I think, eating lunch, um, as I did every Saturday with a group of us. Um, and like, and when I say eating lunch together, we would show up and it would be anywhere between two to six of the same of us every Saturday. Uh, we never knew who was going to be there. And, you know, sit there, drink beer, talk about what's going on, you know, have two or three beers. These guys would stay for, you know, a six pack or so. I was only staying for two or three. And uh, scrolling through Facebook and I see Aaron has posted on his Facebook. He goes, hey, plane is land- laid over in Dallas. Um, something to the tune of fourteen hours, or like twenty four. No, it was twenty four hours. Yeah, you weren't flying out that day. This is like one o'clock in the afternoon, and it's something along the lines of, I think you'd ask for like recommendations of things to do near the airport or something like that. DFW. Or, yeah, or can anybody get me? But yeah, he's up in Dallas, and so I, I text him real quick, and I go, hey, uh, can you make a flight in the next? Or, uh, yeah, can you make a flight in the next 45 in the minutes? Next 45 minutes, yeah. I was like, hey, you know, he goes, yeah, I think so. I go, cool, see if the ticketing agent will just fly you out of Austin to Seattle. Just change your plane. And he goes, what? And I was like, I'm going to buy you a plane ticket to come down to Austin and just see if they can move your ticket the next day from Austin to Seattle. And he goes, oh, they can't. And I was like, well, fuck it. It's fine. I'm flying you down to Austin anyway. So I cash in a shit ton of American Airlines points because he's at DFW and that's a American hub. Um, And I fly him first class (laughs) from uh, Dallas to Austin. And it's just like the uh, Wayland. His instructions to me were drink as much as you can. You're landing in Austin in 35 minutes. Yeah. 
So and it, it was it's like the old uh, Waylon Jennings song, you know, Bob Wills is the king, where he jokes at the beginning of the song. He goes, "I wrote this, I wrote this song on a flight between Dallas and Austin on my way to El Paso or Lubbock or something like that, right?" Um, and so, yeah, it's it's truly like the flight between Dallas and Austin. You get up to altitude, and then you come right back down. At 30,000 feet, man. You come right back down. Yeah, so about the time I, you— I must have at least two gin and tonics. And anybody that's flown knows two gin and tonics in 35 minutes while on a flight in one of those— You know, I'm, I'm 6'2", and I'm cramped in that little, like, puddle jumper. Um, but uh, you're lucky if you can get two, two drinks in. Um, what ended up being— uh, a very oh, how would you describe that trip it was it was very unexpected but it turned out to be one of the more fun like little trips that we've gotten to do yeah so <laughs> I mean it was great I uh, I text my mom because I'm staying at her place at the time because I'm still stationed at Fort Hood and I go hey I got a buddy who's coming in um, he's can he take one of the guest bedrooms yeah absolutely not a problem so I I pick Aaron up in Dallas or in Austin at like five thirty at night or something like that is when his plane lands. Uh, pick him up. It, what is the one thing that I wanted to do while we were in Austin? You were like, I just want to go to an old school Austin bar, like grab a beer, grab a shot, and just. I, I want to go to a honky tonk. It's like, yeah, I want to go to a honky tonk. I was like, cool. So we stopped by the White Horse, which is right there by Austin Bergstrom. Uh, grab a Lone Star and I think a shot of tequila. Yeah, um, and they had that great Texacana band. I don't know who they were, I but it was it was straight up middle of the week Texacana. Like, how mad can you be showing up to an Austin honky tonk and getting like good live music? It, there was people like, uh, what kind of what kind of dancing do you guys do? It's not two stepping, is it? Yeah, it's like a three step, two step, three step. See, I I don't even know that much, but. We had such a blast. We we were in for, again, just a beer and a shot, and then we were out. Get a hat, yeah, a T-shirt, um, and um, a sticker, which I still have. Yeah, uh, it was, good. It, uh, it was fun. And then, That's the word I was looking for. Yeah, and then uh, I text Cody, and I was like, "Hey, man, I'm taking Aaron out to the office lounge. See if you can get a hall pass." Uh, we meet up at the office lounge, sing karaoke. I get Aaron his. Uh, first ever taste a Whataburger that night and then because I'm an idiot and I didn't buy his flight out of Austin back to Dallas the next morning I was thinking about that I dro- I drive him we yeah, wake we up dri- the, the two and a half hours up yeah there. we wake up hungover <laughs> as shit drive stop at Bucky's and Temple because uh, you're like man I need barbecue pickled like, quail eggs and he's like I need barbecue and I go dude I don't know that we got time to stop barbecue anywhere on the way there's nowhere good that's gonna that's gonna be open right now, time wise. Oh, hold on a second. So I was like, we'll just go buy Bucky's. He goes, what's Bucky's? I was like, it's basically a giant Texas edition of a Walmart, um, with fifty. Let me p- go ahead and mansplain Texas edition of Walmart. What that effectively means is that they have a great deli and a great like, like a great group of line cooks that have to adhere to corporate standards. And it turns out their corporate standard for making barbecue is legit, bro. Like it was, let's talk about their brisket. Like Bucky's brisket is better than fucking Texas style brisket. You get in Washington, Oregon, get out of here, get out of my face with that. 
Yeah, I mean, it's not. Yes, we stopped in Bucky's. We threw up in the parking lot. <laughs> we drank Cokes. I drink Coke when I'm hungover. And then, I had a Coke, yeah, for sure. And then went to uh, the Starbucks that was right there, got you coffee. I drove up, drove you up to Dallas, dropped you off, and then came back, and that was Aaron's 12-hour, 18-hour adventure in Texas. Misadventures in Texas. Oh, I forget you don't drink coffee. Uh, that's why that was uh, pointed out. Yeah. JM does not drink coffee. He has, on the occasion, out of necessity, but uh, he's not going to go out of his way to have a cup of coffee no i'm not um the, the night that we became friends as a matter of fact the morning after he swings by knocks on my door and he's got one eye open looking like a dirty pirate and um he's like hey man you said you drink coffee right and i was like i do and you had your big stupid orange cup and you held it out and you're like hey man i need some coffee it, and i was like i got you. it wouldn't have gone in that i promise you because there's nothing been in that cup um so I'm be 36. Ooh, so that cup's birthday will be it will be 15 years old in two weeks from today. Um, and nothing for fi- for 15 years has gone in that cup other than water, not whiskey, not beer, not coffee. I promise you that the <laughs> if you're a listener of ours, describe your favorite drinking vessel that you've had. Um, I- I'm gonna just go ahead and make an executive decision. Put this on the calendar this week. That if you've had an experience with a vessel that you've held on for the duration of a lifetime, 15 years can be a lifetime, but um, more importantly, so can plastic products, let us know. Uh, We might have a surprise waiting for you. At any rate, (laughs) um, I myself, when I was in Colorado Springs, I went through three Nalgene bottles. I lost them at the hangar or at the gym, or at some other place in Sea Springs while on a bender. Um, the Nalgene bottles are the big two-quart thing, um, garbage plastic, whatever you want to call it. I, I got to the point where I'd lost so many. I was no longer going to go to the PX. I was no longer going to go to the REI to replace it. I started using my collection of growlers. I would carry around a growler of water, um, which reminded me of old Dimebag Daryl, Daryl Gatlin. Oh, uh, D-double-G. That's the guy. Uh, That guy is a legend in and of himself. Well, and I actually have some friends in Austin that, uh, so, because, you know, he PCS to Fort Hood uh, right after Korea. And I linked it, but then he went and did the off-grid thing. I remember last time I saw him, he said something along the lines of, well, you know, that's why I don't do black tar heroin anymore. Yeah, so I linked him up with a bunch of buddies of mine in Austin and um, he ended up getting out of the army there at Fort Hood um, and he was going to walk the uh, I think he was going to walk the uh, was it the PNT the Pacific Northwest Trail Uh, oh the PCT the PCT so yeah the Pacific Coast Um, so he was going to walk that Pacific Crest Pacific Crest I apologize um yeah, and then end up at a commune in Wyoming? Colorado. Colorado, that's what it was. And that's where I ran into him. Yeah, um, that guy had some stories. I feel bad because I told all my friends when I met him, I was like, hey, look, dude doesn't drink, but he is a partier. Like, he's going to hang out, make sure everybody has a good time, but he doesn't drink. So I introduced him to my buddies. I'm like, hey, let's go out. 
da 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 da. So we take Daryl out. We show him, you know, Daryl's from the uh, the Waco area. So we show him downtown Austin. Get him all the food because you know, Daryl loved good food. So we show him all these good places to eat on Rainy Street. Um, he'd been in Germany for a while, so me and him went to this old school German uh, place there and clean a few times. And the next thing I know is I'm getting text from my buddy that I hooked him up with. And he's like, hey, dude, you got to come get this guy. He won't get off my fucking couch like he's drunk all the time. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what to tell you, dude. Like, you gave him your number and the key to your place. <laughs> and like, I, but he was such just a genuine human being. Um, he was he was really just an awesome, awesome spirit. The rumor mill uh, left him off live. Uh, living in uh, Idaho and he was working on a farm. Yeah. Which tracks for who he is, but also like I I keep hoping that I can hear from him one day cuz the last time I saw them, you know, we, we were all like acting like fools in the mountains of Colorado like tripping mushrooms and stuff and it was like, you know, painting each other's faces and stuff and you're like <laughs> you know, like Daryl Gatlin was just like that one person that you like kind of I don't know he, he was a caricature but he was also a caricature in the best way um, and, and by caricature I mean he was very like one of those hippy dippy kind of people but in a way that was kind of cool and endearing and like you wanted to see him more yeah so good times if you think you ever have a way of tracking that guy down I'd love to know uh, yeah I'd, I'd love to talk to him again uh, but hmm uh, should be a an interesting episode because I don't know if it's my internet or Aaron's internet, but somebody's is super choppy. <laughs> uh, am I coming through clear? The entire time, yes. Okay, so it's it, I think it's probably on my end then. I don't know, but we'll see. Uh, before we get too far into it, uh, the winners of our giveaway was none other than the pod mother herself, Liz Chavez. And a good buddy of mine, Timothy Van Oostendorp, who is providing new intro music, if I can ever get this freaking wave file to operate correctly. Uh, oh, does he keep making it in wave instead of MP3? Yeah, well, he sent me the link to he sent me the link to his uh, Google Drive where the master is at, and I just can't I can't get the wave file imported into the sound editing that I use, you know, we use Reaper for this, um, but I can't get the sound editing software to take it. So I'm going to figure out a way to chop it somewhere else. And then we'll have new intro and outro music done by uh, Mosin uh, on. So check him out on Spotify. Uh, M O S I N. We'll be using his first single um, as our intro and outro music as soon as I can get this thing chopped. Hopefully I can figure it out and you've already heard the new <laughs> intro music. And if not, then maybe in a couple of weeks. But thank you for all the support from our listeners. Um, we had a low turnout on the Instagram post, so we decided to split it. Uh, and I think that was good. Thank you, Mom. I love you. What's that? No, I, I said thank you, Mom. I love you. Oh, yeah. But Mom listens to this week in and week out. I'll make that, I'll throw that one in there. Oh, is that a, my employer make that koozie that you, you happen to have wrapped around that yellow belly curse? 
It is. Whoa, wizard. it is. I won't say the employer name, but yes, I do have the koozie um, you gave me. By the way, we are not sponsored. Yeah. No. Oh man, I don't. I don't know what the issue is. This is the audio is miserable on my end from you. But we're gonna push through. We're gonna make this work. Okay. Well, we had to work through some some uh, some setbacks last week. Audio and video, internet connectivity included. Yeah, Cody's. Cody's. Oh, I did. You guys were freezing up hard, or maybe it was maybe it was Cody. But I, on my end, it was pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, it just makes it rough because I'm like, I don't know if Aaron's done talking or not. <laughs> so we're gonna find out because when I go back to listen to this, I'm I'm gonna be like, oh, Aaron was talking. He was in the middle of a coherent thought, and I his audio froze, and I thought he was done. But that's the way it's going to be. But we're all talking like we're at the bar and we can't hear each other. And we're just like trying to talk over each other. Is that what the episode came to sound like? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you know, that that tracks. Hey, man, um, how was your week? What have you been up to? Uh, are you cooking anything cool? What's new in your world? Uh, man, so I, I shared out in the group text that I had bought a new pair of running shoes for myself. And I was so excited i've been eyeballing these saucony um endorphin pro twos for like four or five months probably since september i've been eyeballing these new running shoes um and i'm going okay this is my motivation to make my 100 kilometers a month this is my motivation to get back to where i can go out and run a 10k once a week um mm-hmm. this is what i need it's january 1st i'm doing it here it goes <laughs> December 30th, I wake up and I'm like, after we recorded Drunk Year in Review, I go, man, my throat's a little scratchy. Eh, it's fine. No problem. Friday night, New Year's Eve, we go out to dinner with another couple to this, this steakhouse I was super excited for that just was not good. I hate to say it; it just was not. Text good. me the name. I don't want to. I don't want to blast them. No, I'm not going to say the name. I'd like to know who it was. Yeah, it. You know, it was New Year's Eve. Um, it I, wasn't Chris's steakhouse, was it? What? It wasn't Chris's, was it? No, it wasn't here in Fayetteville. It was in Southern Pines. Okay. Uh, they've got two high-end steak joints. Um, so, to set the stage, you know, it's Caitlin and myself, um, and then. Uh, our friends Carrie and Dathan, and uh, the, the Carrie and Dathan are just absolutely wonderful pe- people. D- Dathan's one of my just favorite people in the world. Uh, just cool dude. He he's another Daryl. Like he's just genuinely excited to hear about everything that's going on in your life. Uh, wants to be happy for you, and is just super supportive. Just an awesome, awesome. Wonderful, wonderful human being, and his wife Carrie. So, so like, uh, Dathan absolutely wants to be your best friend because that's the sense that I got from Daryl. No, it, it wasn't even like wants to be a best friend. It's it's legitimately just cares about you as a person and like emotionally how you're doing, and if you're having a good day, wants to share that experience with you. Mm. Um, yeah, I guess that's closer to the mark, isn't it? Yeah, it's he's good dude. So we're sitting there, and and I already knew what this meal was going to cost. I knew that this meal was going to cost me and Caitlin. Um, I was going to spend about one hundred fifty to two hundred dollars, depending on sides, dessert, drinks, stuff like that. I just knew because it's a nice steakhouse. So we get in there, and 
we're looking at the meat options and Dathan's asking me about, um, you know, he goes, Hey, they have, so they have a special menu for new year's. So not all the meat selections are available. Um, they have like a 14 ounce ribeye. They have a sirloin, which I'm not a fan of. They have a filet and then they have a dry aged ribeye. And Dathan's asked me, he goes, man, for five extra dollars, I can get this dry aged. What do you think about dry aged meat? And I go, oh my God, have you ever had it? He goes, no. I go, and it tells you right there that it's been dry aged 18 days. I was like, oh, I go, man, this is going to be, this is going to change your life. How do you eat your steak? He's like, well, I like it medium, maybe a little bit more cooked. And I was like, nope, stay away from the dry aged immediately. And he goes, what? And I go, it's, It'll be a waste of money if you get a dry-aged steak at a medium. I go, it's not going to taste the way it's supposed to taste. I go, a dry-aged steak is meant to be eaten rare to maybe a medium rare. It's just the way it, you're going to lose everything in that steak. I go, I go, when these things are done right, you can almost cut them with a fork. That's, that's the way dry-aged comes out. He goes, oh, you know, and he was... Hey, thanks for letting me know before I wasted money on it and go, yeah, said, if you want one day, we'll get some dry. There's a grocery store here that sells dry aged. And I said, we'll, we'll split it. And I said, and I'll cook it. Um, I'll cook it the way I eat it. So I eat mine rare. Um, and, and I said, and I'll cook them both rare and you can try it. And then at that point, if you still don't like it because you've already paid for it, I'll go back and cook it more turn it into a medium for you um but this is dinner right so i told caitlin i go man I've, i'm not just i'm sick but i'm not that sick like i can feel it coming on and i, I get sick every december january like clockwork i just it's the way my body is i just shut down um we're leaving the steak joint about 8.30 New Year's Eve, and I'm telling Caitlin, I was like, hey, I go, I, it's coming on. I was like, I I need to go home for a little bit. She's all right, not a problem. Two hours later, I have 104.1 temperature, and by 11 o'clock that night, I was almost 105. Um, <laughs> and I am just, I've got extra strength Tylenol in me. I've got Mucinex. Like, I'm doing everything I can. Wake up the next morning at like 6, 6.30, and my fever's down to like 102-something. Um, and then my fever finally broke around noon, where I was back below 100. So that was my New Year's. <laughs> Ugh, that sounds ruthless, bro. Yeah. Did you just nap your your way till noon? I, could, I couldn't. I, I was so hot. Um. And it's just the way I am. And it, for those of you listening out there who, who think maybe I was a little irresponsible or it was possibly COVID, I will tell you that like clockwork, I know exactly when I'm going to get sick. And there is a between December and January, I'm going to get, I'm going to come down with a massive fever and it lasts for about 24 hours. And then I'm just gross for about five days after that. Uh, it's, Fully expected it just came at the worst weekend. Um, I was careful. I did 
other than going out in public. Uh, but I, it's not contagious. It's just, it's just the way I am. It's that hard switch of the weather gets me. And, uh, probably somewhere around May I'll be leveled again. Once this, once it goes super hot for a week and then it'll drop back down cold and it goes super hot again. Um, I'll be leveled again. It's just how I am. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely sounds a little rocky. Um, Ruthless, man. Yeah. Ruthless. But how was the steak? Do you rem- do you remember how that all turned out? Or? It just wasn't good. Um, I ordered okay. it. I ordered it. So first of all, when you're paying forty five dollars a piece of meat, um, and you're at a steakhouse, I expect there, there's a certain expectation set. Yeah, for anybody who hasn't been to a true steakhouse, a place where you're expected to wear a jacket to dinner, kind of thing. Um. When that steak comes out, I expect somebody to cut into it and say, is this how you ordered it? Um, And they threw down four pieces of meat and walked away. Um, So the first thing I did was cut into mine. I go, that ain't right. And two of us, myself and Carrie, had both gotten the filet. I looked over at Carrie. I go, hey, cut into the middle of yours. And she cut into it, and you heard a real soft moo as it came out because it was still rare. And I went, you got my steak. <laughs> and they go, she goes, really? And I go, yeah. I go, here, look at this one. And I had her medium. So that's like number one when you plate it on the wrong thing because we had different sides too. So they plated it incorrectly. It wasn't cut. Um, and I mean, when I have to put salt and pepper on top of the steak because it just wasn't properly seasoned to begin with, that's another clue. Uh I'd I'd go back again on a regular on a Tuesday night or whatever that nothing fancy was going on to see if it changed at all. Um but that place is already a a C in my book. So that's where I start to identify like weak points, right? Where you're like, hey man, you're a steakhouse. One of the tenets of working in a steakhouse is being a professional at service and I think that the service industry is one of the hardest industries you can work in because not only do you have to have the wheelhouse to know just food and beverage which is uh, you you know we've scraped the surface here in this podcast but also you need you need to know how to break contact right um and and talk to people so so what I'm talking about is is sometimes you'll get into a conversation with somebody and you know that you need to cut it short because this conversation is on the clock and you need to be working, but that person isn't working and they suck you in. Um, if, if any of our listeners have had an, an experience where they are either a bartender or a patron where the, ro- the role is that you are stuck into a conversation of which you cannot get out of. And it certainly happened to me as a, pat- as a patron as much as it has as a bartender. It can be precarious. The point I'm trying to make, though, is taking the order is easy. Organize it by seat number, however, and then deliver on it. Don't let leave it up to the customer to just figure it out. It's it's a 
it's a level of service that just breathes confidence. You as the consumer don't have to worry about it. So sorry you had that. Yeah. Well, and you know, um, you were customer service. You you bartended for a while. Um, up there, and uh, I bartended. I thought my I was any good at it. Let's be honest. It doesn't matter. You did it. You have that experience. Uh, I bartended my way through college. Uh, I, I am probably one of the most lenient customers you'll ever have. Honestly, um, there's a there's a uh, bartender here at the Wild Wings in Fayetteville um, who probably has the worst customer service I've ever experienced in my life. Um, but she, she knows me. Um, she knows that, Hey, I don't need a menu. Um, Hey, it's a PBR tall boy. Um, and her, uh, even to me, she, it's just shitty, shitty, shitty customer service. And I still tip accordingly, you know, I, she's on a $12, tab or an $18 tab, she's still getting 30 to 40% out of me because there's some asshole who's not tipping, period. And I get that. And What's I'm, your name? What? What's your name? Oh, not on this podcast. <laughs> I'm not diming anybody out. But oh, I do... When I, I guess you did. Yeah, I, I do know what her name is. And I know exactly what day she works. Um, but I was there couple weeks ago um and i sat for two and a half hours and she never asked me what i wanted to eat i went yeah that's and you wanted to eat didn't you i did because i came in i i always eat i i always eat um two and a half hours and i drank two beers in two and a half hours and i tipped her they're like four dollars a piece and I tipped her, I think, three dollars on eight but on eight dollar thing, and I went, "Yep, that like that just did it right there." I'm not coming back in on the days that you work, and it was that simple. I'm not going to stiff her tips, but I just I've been at your job, and I've she's been at that place for 18 years. She's been behind a bar for 18 years. And I go, "There's I don't know how you have managed to make a living doing that." But sports bars, dive bars are another level of human understanding that I can't get behind, even though those are the places that I prefer to spend my time in. Like, I'm not going to steakhouses and cocktail lounges, right? It's just when I made my chops doing um, bartending and all of that, I made that in cocktail lounges. So it's it's just a different level of service, or, or it's just a different thing in in general, that kind of blows me away, um, and I don't get it. Yeah. I don't know. What about you? Uh, your your last week, your new year, um, anything set coming up, or I, I just same thing I did. How how was your last week? And I I mean, pretty straightforward. Work got kicked back off. I was really happy to get back into the the groove of things. I. With as much time as I had off, I played Ghost of Tsushima for like three hours a day. Like, I just would play Ghost of Tsushima, hop on the bike, ride for an hour, get super baked on edibles and weed butter, and then like make dinner, you know? I was just like 
the epitome of housewife, but like in dude version. I call it house husband. Fucking stoned and play video games, but still work out and get like a glass of wine in or a beer and a shot before dinner is ready. Yeah, that's nice. Well, I mean, it's it's kind of the life. Yeah, I love that. I I always joke with Caitlin. I'm like, yeah, I'm the house husband because on Saturdays, that's what I I love it. I because it gives me a chance to put my put something really loud on the radio, either metal or usually it's like. If it's not metal, then I'm just replaying Sarah Shook or J.P. Harris or somebody that I just know all the words to. And I'm cooking her lunch, and then I'm vacuuming and straightening up or finding something to fix real quick, or I'm in the garden, and then I come back and clean some more. And Yeah, I love that stuff. It's me time. I had a great time. And and as soon as New Year's was over, I was on top of her, and I was like, hey, um, is it okay for us to take down Christmas? And there was a little bit of pushback until all of Christmas was taken down, and you're looking around the house, and you're like, huh, this is weird. I feel like I might not think my house is cluttered. <laughs> it was one of those situations where you're like, all the decorations look great. Yeah. But once it's all said and done, and it's all cleaned up, it kind of looks nice again, even though it looked good in the first place even decorated so uh my week was great the dogs are doing fantastic i can always bitch about my job and bitch about the car i do have a funny story about the car fuck man oh i knew something was going to come up my forerunner with the four-wheel drive the four-wheel drive doesn't engage in the forerunner which makes me think it's just a two-runner um i guess there's an actuator that's bad or or some some sort of like zero to one. So, so some so some electronic binary code is not telling the actuator to turn on the four-wheel drive. I got stuck in the snow pretty bad to the point where I had to have a recovery crew come out. Um, so by recovery crew, I mean like my friend Brian who lives one block over and I smoke tons of weed with, you know. I d- I, and I... I, I, I I know you are fully capable of engaging four-wheel drive. So this isn't something simple like you forgot to put it in neutral or you forgot to lock the hubs, right? Yeah, it's not like that. I, yeah. When Brian showed up, I says, hey, man, do me a favor. Hop in the driver's seat and tell me that I did everything or, or tell me that I did something wrong. Please tell me I did yeah, something wrong. Because exactly. If I don't know how to drive my car, I need to know how to drive it. And that happened to me when I had um, the Toyota Tacoma. I had to learn how to put it in four-wheel drive. And it's like there's uh, H4 and there's H2, which is your normal drive, and then there's L4. And I remember getting real stuck, and I finally figured out what L4 and H4 were. And when I was in H4, Colorado Springs can suck my dick. <laughs> I drove all over the fuck of that place, man. I just tore those roads apart that truck drove so fucking good oh yeah they're so light they'll just go anywhere Mm. and then you know and in low it just had so much torque it had no problems but in my toyota 4runner same year same generation gen 3 i got stuck in like six or seven inches or less but the four-wheel drive wasn't engaged. Yeah. And it's also a rear-wheel drive vehicle, and it's pretty 
freaking heavy. Yeah. You know? Hmm. Well, I hope something's not wrong with the front differential. Um, I hope it's just quite literally a, uh, a bad connection on the back of the four-wheel drive uh, plug that is not sending or a short somewhere and that it's not the front differential failing and it's failing to engage. There is a gremlin somewhere in there, and it is electronic. Um, I don't know where to start with it. I don't think that anything's connected, but like when you start running down a list where you're like, oh, this thing doesn't work and it's as easy as like being um, the the window on the back hatch doesn't roll down when you press the button, but it rolls down when you use the key. Yeah, you know, or whatever. You know, it's <laughs> just stupid shit. You know, somebody who had the car did enough to just at least get the oil changes, but there was some following maintenance on whoever owned it first. But whatever. Like, yeah. I don't drive a lot. Other than that, my week has been pretty straightforward. Turns out it's January 6th. Um, what happened a year ago? Where are we today? Fuck, man. Like, why are we still talking about January 6th and the well-regulated <laughs> militia that took over the United States? Like, come on, man. Um, I didn't know we were still talking about it in those terms. I I don't think we are, but, you know, there's been an investigation going on for however many months there's been some good meat in a moment of silence okay yep um <laughs> there's been some good memes about it uh somebody put up a photo of one of the guys with a confederate flag saying uh confederate flag made it further into washington on january 6th than it ever did on uh, during the civil war uh which was pretty good uh was happy with that one uh, you know, we're still remembering Officer Eugene Goodman, uh, the who rightfully so, when Elon Musk was named Person of the Year, uh, there was a lot of outcry for Eugene Goodman to be named Times Person of the Year uh, for his efforts to calmly handle the situation inside the Capitol. Um, and then he was rewarded by being President Biden and uh, Vice President uh, Harris's uh, escort and security detachment uh, on Inauguration Day. By sex escort, do you mean like sex escort? I didn't say sex escort. No, you didn't. I just inserted that. Oh, so okay. you agree to it. <laughs> ha, joke's on you, weirdo. Uh, yeah, I... It's it's a big deal. Um, there's a whole Reddit thread called Capital Consequences, and it just follows the convictions and the arrest of of these people. Um, my lieutenant today, you know, posed a good question. He goes, uh, "Do you think if they were successful that they would have actually overthrown the government?" Uh, and I, I sat there for a second. My answer to him was no, but. I have no doubt in my mind that somebody would have gotten seriously, somebody, one of the legislators, because we already know that Ashley Babbitt died and several police officers died, um, but that somebody, one of those legislators would have been seriously injured. Um, I don't know that anybody there was above killing somebody. I can't prove that, but I, I know somebody would have been hurt. I think several people 
if they got their hands on them, you're talking people with zip ties and ropes and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think, yeah, I don't think he was, I'm not worried about. Or is he just a character piece of this whole weird fucking thing? I, I think he nailed it. I think he's, yeah, I think he's just the battle cry. I think he's the emblem. He stands out in the crowd and he rallies people and motivates them. Um, I think the guy with zip ties on his tactical zip ties on his back that's hopping barricades. I think he's a threat. Um, I think he gets himself. I think him by himself engaging Pelosi or anybody like that is not doing anything. I think him with a crowd. Something's happening, you know. So one year later. Um, where are we uh, with our conservative network of friends, with our liberal network of friends? Because w- one thing that I think is a strength of our podcast is that we all, while we all have some accolades or methods of training or education that are the same, I think all of us in thought can be a little bit doctrinally different. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. I just I'm waiting for you to s- kind of wh- where are you going with it? What what's the question or the thought? So, what is um what's the consensus that you see between um your liberal network and your conservative uh, your, your conservative network and how how can you contrast that or well, I mean like they contrast themselves, but how can what are you what do you draw from them? Uh I don't I don't think that it's probably too far from what you see uh honestly I I don't think that in your immediate and it, correct me if I'm wrong probably in your immediate day-to-day interactions um the left to right balance if we'll call it that the democrat to republican or the conservative to liberal um I think my I think my conservative to liberal balance is is a little more heavier right than yours is uh, daily, uh, but it's still it wasn't a re- sounds like a product of where we were raised maybe. No, I think it's the work environment. It, it's truly just okay. well, that's I what I mean. Like, I guess I haven't been involved like the military in a number of years so that that checks out yeah i'm just kind of thinking like that you know the people that you drink beer with the people that you talk with or text with daily um probably are not the same kind of conservative that i have to interact with daily um and i do use that word have to interact with because i'm forced to interact with a lot of people that i just don't I prefer I prefer not to hear their political points of view just like they prefer not to hear mine and we just have an understanding there. Um the to answer your question more directly though it's the compare contrast that I'm seeing is very much the same thing that we've heard for 365 days. Um it was not an insurrection, it was not a riot, it was a demonstration that got out of hand. Uh but they were very much following the constitutional right to hold the government to a candle and refuse tyranny. Uh, very 1775 of them. 
the people that think uh, the the more liberal of my friends uh, still believe it's an insurrection. It was a riot. Uh, I I maintain. I, I will maintain what I said a year ago, that it was in protest that got out of control, but was still exactly on target for what they were speaking to. But that tracks for what your opinion is, because what would you say of the BLM? And, and we can bring in different uh, geographic areas as example. And I think the ones that stand out the most i mean like oh let's be honest like kenosha and portland right yeah um i'm not gonna say anything different than i said a year ago honestly because I, I you know you know me i'm very pragmatic um I, I think i'm very analytical when i look at this stuff and go it i don't think the blm protests were as on target as the january 6th protest was insurrection right you know i'll, I'll just use the word protest because that's what i've been saying um it had the protest in portland and seattle uh austin atlanta had they focused strictly on uh, the police headquarters sheriff headquarters um the courthouse then I would say that they were one in the same with January sixth, uh, but the fact that. But to your point, though, it's like it was a it was a specific area, and then it's it is a mob mentality which can evolve very quickly. You know? Oh, it does. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely correct there. Uh, yeah, I mean, you January sixth. I mean, like those those folks genuinely believed that the election turned out not in their favor. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with you. I am. Okay. What I'm saying is, you know, they didn't they didn't leave the mall, and uh, when I say the mall, they didn't leave the uh, the mall there in D.C. the capital area, um, and branch out and get into the Smithsonian or get into businesses or residents um, in the area, like the BLM protested, and that's where I think. Unfortunately, I have to concede that point that um, the January 6th protests were focused and on target. Um, I hate doing it, but I have to, I do, I think, have to concede that point that when you start um, getting into businesses, when you start getting into stuff that is, you know, when you start affecting things that are not part of the systemic racism issue that we are talking about that you are detracting from your voice. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I, I, what do you in the year in the in the year since what what is the feeling um in your kind of sphere of influence, your circle up there? It's more or less an echo chamber, but I like to keep friends um, that have a way of broadening my viewpoint. Um, I'm I'm very much uh, a thirty some odd year old that got to go to college in an urban area, and I got exposed to critical race theory in my thirties. You know, um, and, and thank God I did because 
I think it's a pretty practical way of looking at the world where it's like, hey, we have academic works confirming that systemic racism has been happening and it didn't stop after uh, you know Jim Crow got cut down. So it, it's more worrisome when there's the factual evidence sitting here in front of us. It, much like COVID can kill you. It's very transferable, right? Um, but now we have all of these conspiracy theories about how it's actually supposed to work. But in the same turn, you know, we can talk to our ultra friend, uh, our friends that are ultra worried about what the impact of the virus can be, and they can preach the mask and how much the vaccine works. But to a point where it's like. I can't speak about antibodies, and I'm not going to. I don't know enough about it. It's like, if I don't feel well, I'm just, I now live in a society where I can just stay home, or if I have to go out, I'm going to wear a mask. Like, it's that easy. I, I don't need to say, well, you know, I got sick with COVID, which means I'm fine because my antibodies are doing this, that, and the other thing. You're like, well, are you just regurgitating what you heard, or do you know? It seems haphazard at best, because... COVID just jumps as quickly as ticks do or fleas. It is, it is ruthless. Um, so, so that's my take. Rabbit hole. I know. No, no, it's not a rabbit hole. You know, open discourse and all that. Um, it's hard. Um, I, you know, and I love my father to, it, it, we've talked about his political ideologies on here several times. Um, and I still get, it, it, probably once a week, I get some YouTube video from some, I will call it less than reputable, less than reputable news source or medical source um, who talks about COVID. Uh, and it's always ivermectin. It's always hydroxychloroquine, um, cloth masks, always chlorophyll. How yeah. about borophyll? <laughs> Mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Um, Did you say midichlorians? No, the mitochondria. You, you Jedi fuck. <laughs> um, and him and I even had this, because I love him to death, but... You know, he knows exactly where he stands in my mind, like on my pyramid of people that I hold in the highest regard. He knows exactly where he stands on it. Um, do I think that he tries to goat me into a lot of things? I absolutely do. Um, and I finally just, you know, I responded to one of his emails this week with another, basically another YouTube video, because that's what he's sending me, of the exact opposite thing that he's saying. So he, and the guy is very smart, so I have no doubt he's already seen this news. Uh, and he goes, yeah, well, I just don't agree with it. And I go, and I understand. I completely understand, but what do you think I'm doing with all the news that you give me? I go, neither one of us are, neither one of us are chemists, neither one of us are biologists, neither one of us are virologists, um, for as great engineers as we are, uh, or mechanics, or craftsmen, 
this is beyond the scope of our understanding other than regurgitating what people are telling us. I go, you can, you can send me all this news that you want and I will watch it. And I go, it has a very little chance of changing my mind. I go, I'm going to send you everything and it's going to have the same effect on you. I go, I, you can send it to me all you want, but the fact remains is you and I are going to discount each other's news because we've already decided, right? And that's what, all I was trying to get him to understand is, you know, it's, we'll have an open discourse about it, but you're going to tell me the facts from your side and I'm going to tell you the facts from my side. Um, and we are going to continue to butt heads on the exact same thing. It is pointless to continue to have this conversation. Do you suppose that there's a chance that this could ever change? And, and maybe not so much but between you and this one specific person, but it's like in the, in the grander scheme of things, because discourse and rhetoric can run so far down one way that you can't hear the other. Um, do you see a place where you're able to connect with somebody that can critically look at what their rhetoric is? Um, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know what you're asking. Um, my answer to that would have been, 18 months ago, 21 months ago, yes. I think a lot of minds were changed in that first six months. Month seven to month 24, no, I, I, I don't know how much is changing. Um, you hear horror stories about people going in uh, to ICUs with COVID, um, dying on ventilators. Unvaccinated, vaccinated, whatever the case may be, um, and family members who are very much anti-vax, anti-Fauci, let's go Brandon flag-waving Trumpist, um, because let's face it, at, at this point, that's what it is. Um, although, since Trump's... What does Trumpism mean to you? Uh, just as a sidebar, like... Actually, I don't. I w- I'd like to avoid that. Yeah, We're, we can get into we can get into that idea. to another week. Um, but the the families of these these people that are dying, um, that are blaming medical professionals for you killed them, you gave them something that exacerbated a condition. Um, you refused to follow treatment. You refused. You know, and these poor doctors and nurses that are just been through hell. They they went through hell before COVID just on a normal rotation of trying to save lives, and now it doubly so. Um, I don't think you're changing any one of their minds because every death that happens now is the government's fault. It's Fauci's fault. It's China's fault. Um, more so now it's Biden's fault. Um, it, it's stopped being logical a long time ago. I don't think we're changing anybody's mind. 
Well, that's that. I, I don't know if I can beat that one up any more than there already is. It's like it's uh, it was a sad thing from the get-go, and that goes back to before the elections years and years ago. Um, the Tea Party was the, the big scary thing a long time ago, and Obamaism was scary, and the birthism. We're and just in the next, just next iteration of liberal bullshit versus conservative bullshit. It's like, I don't know. Yeah, um, man, it's a, it's a different, it's a different experience out there right now. I don't know how to explain it other than that. It's just that everything is happening. There's so much happening at one time that keeps compounding and nothing just ends. You know, nothing is ending right now. Uh, the, the, the issues with racism that we're seeing are not ending. The issues with COVID that we're seeing are not ending. The issues with, um, the walk, the, uh, uh, the anti-work movement, um, the fight for a livable wage is not ending. The The fight for affordable health care is not ending. The fight for affordable uh, education is not ending. And it, uh, the immigrants, uh, immigration situation, you know, closing the borders or opening the borders. And none of this is ending. And so it's just one thing onto another, onto another, onto another, onto another. And you have... You know, 30 million people just stressed out beyond belief. And that's, I think that's what we're seeing right now is just people at the end of their ropes on all, on all ends of the political spectrum. I just don't want to have to care about it, man. But you have to. But I'm, I'm forced to. Well, uh, yeah. Yeah. Are we forced to because of the podcast or are we forced to just because... Period. Period. I mean, like, rhetoric is one of the most dangerous things that we can do. I mean, like, we, not me. We, not me. We, not me. We, not me. I could say it a thousand times, but, like, in, until that that um, until that until message can cover a geographic area as large as the United States, I kind of feel a little bit screwed by it, you know? Like, like my higher calling is to be out there uh, promoting how great it is to accept people of different different cultures or that science is real or that um, smaller business is a backbone or that we need to start looking at supporting the middle class better middle you know uh, the better wages or uh, let's be honest like I don't think free health care sounds so bad but I'm not the one with all the answers. And that's kind of what's scary is like all of these things seem very normal to me, but to other people it seems really drastic. So that's that's kind of like my elevator pitch, you know? Yeah, and I I don't know how we get out of this. Um, I don't because... uh, you read the news. Well, we can lobby our, our representatives and our congressmen every time, but guess what? The military-industrial complex is always going to be voted yes. We are always going to vote yes on a defense spending bill, even though the Defense Department is one of the most grossly overfinanced and 
with little oversight as anything we've ever seen. Like you can take a you can take a swing at Wall Street all you want and in the fiasco they provided with the, the housing market crisis. But for God's sake, have you looked at how much the the defense industry has costed taxpayers? Mm. For what? So I'm what win uh, did we get? I'm glad you brought. I'm glad you brought three that up. Three and a half thousand, four thousand veterans between OEF and OIF and this, that, and the other thing. Uh, well, fuck, man. Like I didn't even see combat, and if I did, it was very minimal. But I am still a product of that generation, and that who. Or where my father comes from, you know. Well, and I'm I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I guess we can kind of side note into this. Mike, drop. Mike, ma- drop. Make it our final our final little talking point. But I know you read the news. I know you are our Middle Eastern correspondent, and this isn't really Middle East. Um, well, you may correct me on my geography. Uh, did you see? The official news in the soft community today, the Army soft community. No, what came out? All right, so officially, the Army soft community has created a permanent outstation in Albania. Okay, so Eastern Europe? Yeah. Um, we... <laughs> This goes into the Yeah, this goes in this goes to what you were talking about with mismanagement of funds with um this gross <laughs> 780 billion dollar defense budget. Is it billion? 780 trillion. billion. No, 780 billion dollar defense budget out of a 1.3 trillion dollar spending package. Um, but we're out of Afghanistan, right? As of August, what, 1st? We were out of Afghanistan. So what do we spend $780 billion on? We got to find a war somewhere. Lockheed, Boeing, yeah, but, uh, General Dynamics, they all have their toys they want to use, right? We're not going to jump in against Russia. No, no, I think peer-to-peer wars will never be a thing again. It's always going to be proxies. Proxies have proven to to make other societies fail. Like, Afghanistan was, it was absolutely uh, a war against insurgents, but also it turned out to be a proxy. Let's be honest. And, and that's proxies, like, at the tribal level all the way to the global level. Would you be surprised if there was... Russian like KGB or FSB like doing FID like foreign internal defense operations. Come on, no, no, no I, I absolutely would not be. Um, just in the same way that I think by putting outpost in Albania, we go. We understand that NATO is not jumping in if we go against China and Russia. Germany, Germany made the statement that there would be consequences for Russia. Military uh, militaristic actions against Ukraine. Germany's already said that. But Germany hasn't drug anybody into a war since 1945 or whatever the fuck that was. Cody will kill me for not knowing that. Um, however, we have continuously dragged people into wars 
since the 50s. Um, there's no way that we jump in against China with NATO support. There's no way we jump in against Russia with NATO support. So let's go look for something somewhere else. We're already in Africa. We're already combating uh, Somali pirates and that regularly. We're in war-torn nations. We're probably still sitting in, is it still Chad? Is Chad still a country? Um, Sedan's on the verge, uh, verge of not being one. Yeah, guarantee we still got assets. That has been on my radar for like three months. Guarantee we still got assets sitting in the Sedan. Um, there's probably somebody sitting right outside Iran somewhere. Uh, who knows, maybe in Saudi. Um, there's people sitting in Qatar, guaranteed. And this, by by, for the listeners, I'm not out here spitting facts about exactly where I know military units are because I don't. But I, you look at the global scale and you go, okay, what have we been bitching about for 15 years? It's been Iran and their nuclear capabilities. Um, we've been, you know, we've been bitching about Iraq since ninety whatever. Um, but we fixed that one, so don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, Turkey's kind of an ally. Um, Turkey is an ally. When they want to be. Yep. Um, Ukraine is definitely an ally because they hate Russia. Um, so where do we go look for stuff? Well, let's put some people in Albania and see what pops up in some neighboring countries. Um, next thing you know, we'll be sitting out in Belarus. I really hope not, but maybe a little bit. Give Lushchenko a run for his money, right? That son of a bitch. Hey, man, um, I don't know if I can beat this one up anymore. What about you? No, I don't think I can. It was a good little... I just I didn't know if you'd seen the news about the official outpost in Albania yet. No, I'd love to look that up. But um, what I will say is I got those books that you guys picked out from last week in the mail. I started reading The Missionary. Um, it's okay. I'll leave it at that. My next dive is going to be the Witcher series. I think that's going to be my next dive into series. Hey, I, I do recommend The River or The Dog Stars. You should be able to find paperback versions of them. Yeah, no, I and found them. I, that's that's what I sent um, Liz and Tim were paperback copies of everything. Um, hey, because uh, I hey, love y'all. I'm just not spending that kind of money on books. For Tim and, and Vano, or uh, uh, for Vano and, and Liz, uh, sorry, Mom, CC us in those emails and, and let us know what you think. Can't wait to hear about it. Yeah, uh, we'd love to get some of y'all's reactions and talk about it. And you've heard our, you've heard our thoughts on them. Um, love to hear y'all's thoughts and share some stuff and be cool to get the viewer experience on that. Nah. I'm all set here, buddy. Yeah. Uh, so season three, episode one in the books. Uh, next week we will not have an episode. Uh, Cody's out of town. I'm out of town. Uh, Aaron is not out of town, but it's been a hell of a last couple of weeks between Christmas, New Year's, starting the new year off. Um, we like to take some mental health 
breaks, and this is going to be ours. Um, yeah. So highly recommend you take one of your own. Exactly. Uh, let's get in some socials. So find us on Instagram at Drunk Weekend Review. You can find us on Gmail, Drunk Weekend Review at gmail.com for the old school listeners out there. Pretty little loggers at gmail.com. Um, who knows? Maybe on weeks that Cody isn't around, maybe I can rope Aaron into watching an episode of Pretty Little Lockers and see what his reactions are. I don't know. Uh, we are facebook.com slash drunk week in review, and we are at DWIR podcast on Twitter, which nobody fucking uses, I promise. Um, other than I checked in to see Marjorie Taylor Greene's account get, um, suspended and that was the last time i used my twitter which is pretty dope uh follow Collis malloy at don't tickle me elmo on twitch watch him play lego star wars and all the other 13 year old baddie sucks yeah at uh, apex yeah yeah watch him watch him play all the 12 year old kick games and beat him up uh maybe he'll get in before rust wipes their new servers or and he can go troll and raid in there um do do do, do. i think that's about it. What do you got, Aaron? Thank you, and we love you. Mm-hmm.